The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. And they were coming down from the mountain. Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. It really must have been quite a remarkable sight. The ordinary man Jesus, who's done quite extraordinary acts and deeds, is transfigured. He's transformed into a brilliant celestial light. His face shines like the light of day, and his clothes become so dazzling white that they too are a beacon into the darkness of the world. In many respects, in this moment, Jesus becomes the new sun, that is, the S U N kind. Not only do all of the planets in the solar system revolve around him, but all of creation throughout time and space orbit around its creator. It's all orbiting around Jesus. The galaxies, the moon, the stars, the creeping things, the flying birds, and even a couple of those saints of old, the great prophet Elijah and the great lawgiver Moses, begin to converse with their Savior. In this moment, the past begins to crash in on the present. Now you'd think that this kind of sight would stir up an immense fear in Peter, James, and John, but they all seem incredibly content. So much so that Peter, in his awe and wonder of the orbiting things, says, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish... I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Elijah and one for Moses. 
come on, Lord, let's, let's pitch some tents and just stay here forever. What happens next scares those three disciples right out of their own skin. A bright cloud overshadows them and intensifies the light, and from its midst comes a voice. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. At once, Peter, James, and John fall on their faces, and they become very, very afraid. But why exactly does this make them afraid? They weren't afraid of the Son Man Jesus. They weren't afraid when two Old Testament patriarchs who have been gone for a long time show up and just start conversing with Jesus. And they weren't even afraid when all of creation seemed but for a moment to orbit around this their teacher. So what in the world has scared them so much? Well, perhaps in the midst of all that was happening, the disciples didn't fully realize who was standing right in front of them. I mean, sure, they knew it was Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph and Mary, the companion they had been journeying with for quite some time. But it wasn't until they heard the voice of the Heavenly Father in the cloud that they realized that this Jesus was truly God in flesh among them and that the place where they were standing was holy ground. Perhaps they were too preoccupied, too distracted by created things that they didn't fully realize it was the Creator who was standing before them. Too preoccupied. Too distracted. Does that sound familiar to you? It does to me. We live in an exceedingly distracted society and world. Every moment of every day, we are inundated with bright lights, loud noises, and whirling things. We've lost the ability to focus on anything for more than a couple of seconds before we get uncomfortable and move on to something else. I saw this in full force a few years ago when I was attending a concert at the Cathedral Basilica in St. Louis. A world-renowned music group was lifting up their voices to the heavens in this beautiful mosaic-adorned space. All the while, some of the faces of the concert-goers were illumined 
by the backlit screens of their phones. This could very well be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit and listen, and yet they were bored. They were preoccupied. They were distracted. I heard a quote once. It's actually posted on my wall in my office that says, in solitude we seek God, but the first person we encounter is ourselves. And that makes us uncomfortable. And so we distract ourselves with created things to avoid confronting ourselves and confronting our own unholiness. So then everything we do becomes a vain attempt at giving us a moment's reprieve from the suffering our unholiness brings to our lives. We, we create these tents of created distractions. And we say it's good to be here in this reprieve, in this tent. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just stay here forever. But that house of cards never remains standing. It isn't until we are confronted with the divine in full force that we are shaken out of our distractedness. It happened to those distracted concert goers when the choir began to sing this otherworldly piece about the divinity of Christ. And all at once, the faces lifted up and looked at the choir and then, and then looked at the crucifix that hung over all of the crowd gathered. It happened to us just a few moments ago when at the beginning of this liturgy, a voice spoke the name of the triune God into your ears. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And in that moment, as that name was spoken, the ground on which we stand became holy once more. When that name was spoken, it pressed us to focus in on the Creator rather than the creation that whirls around us. The liturgy was designed in such a way so that we would immediately be confronted by our Holy Creator. And it is in and through this confrontation that we recognize our own creatureliness and thus our own unholiness. We can't escape it. There are no distractions in this place when the holiness of God comes and stands in our midst. So upon realizing who we're dealing with and what we've done, our first reaction is and should be to hang our heads and confess our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and in what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. 
like Peter, James, and John, the holiness of God knocks us off our feet onto our knees. But in His bountiful mercy, Jesus never leaves us in that state. After seeing Peter, James, and John on their faces, terrified, Jesus came, and it's a beautiful detail from Matthew, He touched them. He touched them and said, Rise and have no fear. Now that word rise is the same word that's used when Jesus raises the dead and when Jesus himself is raised from the dead. So it's as if Jesus is saying, be resurrected to new life and have no fear. And then another beautiful detail from St. Matthew They saw no one but Jesus only. All the distractions were removed and only Jesus was left to gaze at. After confessing our sins this morning, Jesus came to us and said the same thing to us and says the same thing to us throughout this liturgy. Be resurrected to new life and have no fear because your sins are forgiven. Our unholiness this morning was met with the Lord's holiness, but not to damn and not to destroy, but to purify and give new life. In just a few moments, Jesus will do to us what he did to his disciples. He will come and he will touch us with his very body and his very blood in the Eucharist. The bread and the wine that we bring as our sacrifice will be transfigured into the crucified and resurrected body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. All mystery and all distractions will be removed. And only Jesus, this is the most beautiful part of our liturgy, only Jesus will be left to gaze at as the host is placed into your hand. But for a moment, you experience the most intimate encounter we have with our Lord on this earth. Behold the Lamb of God. By partaking of Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity, you are transformed into more of who you were always meant to be. When we gather here around Christ's table with Moses and Elijah, with Peter, James, and John, and with all those who have gone before us in the faith, we are made more fully human by being transfigured by God's holiness. We are pulled closer to the new Eden and we're reoriented back to the glory and majesty of our Creator.
In just three days' time, we will set our faces like a flint and begin our Lenten pilgrimage to the cross with our Lord. We'll have our foreheads signed with ashes and be reminded that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. But not forever. I think it's safe to say that Pastor Milky and I's greatest prayer for our congregation is that we would all lean into this contemplative, solemn season and unite ourselves to fasting and almsgiving and to prayer in order to detach ourselves from those created things that distract us from our Creator and Savior. We've said it before, but we'll say it again. This really is going to be a beautiful Lent. And that beauty will challenge us, and it will stretch us, and it will knock us off our feet onto our knees, all in calling us to grow in holiness, to grow closer to our Savior Please, don't resist it. Please, don't be afraid of it. Instead, as we've been learning this entire year as a congregation, we should give our fiat to it, our yes. Yes, Lord, stretch me. Challenge me. Help me grow in holiness. For you see, the beauty of Lent is Christ Himself, the one who comes to touch you and to give you life. When we get to Good Friday, everything and everyone will be crucified with Jesus. You and me, Peter, James, and John, Moses, Elijah, sin, death, and the power of the devil. But on that glorious day when the Alleluia's return, only Jesus and his beloved will be resurrected to new life. You, me, Peter, James, and John, Moses, Elijah, and all those saints who have gone before us. Our dust will be resurrected we will be transfigured to glorious new life with the Lord. So let us prepare ourselves for this journey. Let us take a moment now to think about the distractions of our lives and to ask the Lord to take those from us so that we can solely focus on Him in the days ahead.